Hello and welcome to the TPM podcast that stands for Theology of Plain Men. My name is Zach. Uh, You have landed here at the TPM podcast. Like I said, we're a group of dudes who try to be theological. We like to have some good theological conversations. Um, We try to bring the gospel into a space where it's normal. We try to bring theology into a space where it's comfortable, not scary, right? It could be a big, scary word, uh, but we believe you don't necessarily need a Masters of Divinity to go into theology. And here I am talking to the only member of TPM who's on his way to his Masters of Divinity, uh, David Nelson. How you doing, my guy? Good, good. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean to uh, come off as, uh, I don't know if grade grubby is the right word or arrogant, but um, I actually already have my Master of Divinity oh. as of uh, three weeks ago, okay. which is really exciting. Okay, so, so that's new news. It's new news. Yeah, but... Yeah, no, it's theology is definitely not something you need an emptive for. It's just it isn't. I'm sorry. It's be not. honest with me though. Yeah. Does it hurt to have an emptive? Uh, it. I mean, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> I mean, like it. It doesn't like you know if you're in like a like a, a vibrant conversation with somebody and you're trying to make a point and then you can just you know argue to the the you know oh i have an md right, so just, i don't just, need to hear your you actually just walk around with your diploma yeah and in the, you just hold it up to their face oh, i'm sorry uh, does oh. this say master of divinity you <laughs> no it says master of divinity me so yeah no i, I mean that's pretty surefire yeah. way to win an argument i mean it probably is you know arguments to authority are you know always a great great move especially when the authority is yourself <laughs> yeah yeah uh speaking of competitions oh no okay. um so David, mm. uh, before you came here, mm-hmm. uh, I was on the couch, put Harper to bed. I was on the couch and uh, a show that I love ish was on okay. uh, this show called Wipeout. Oh, so ga- okay. it's a game show. Yeah. You know, just, a, you know, one, uh, just another throwaway. It's like, a, you know, a little throwaway game show. Yeah. Where they must just like they probably scream people and then they say like, OK, you are too exceptional like of uh, of a physical specimen we need the most average or slightly below average physical specimens that we can find to run this obstacle course yeah yeah and they're inevitably going to fall down a lot and it's hilarious yeah so that got me thinking david nelson oh gosh okay what game show if you could compete on any game show g- give me one two you need two answers what is one that you would love to compete on that you would enjoy that you'd be like man i'm all over this and what is one where you actually think you could do well maybe mm. those are the same but hit me up what no, do you, that, what do you think? i think that i think that's a good distinction because i actually did come up with with two answers in my head um i would say the one that i would enjoy competing on um would be i feel like family feud is usually a good one just for like you know, I don't know if I'd necessarily do well because some of those questions they just get tricky and like you know I'd guess like random things that probably wouldn't be up there. But I think hanging out with Steve Harvey and you know battling against another family, I think that'd be a ton of fun. The one that I think it's, I don't think it's on anymore. But the one that I honestly think I could do decently on that really everybody should do decently on was Deal or No Deal. I don't know if you remember that with Howie Mandel. Oh, big! How do you not know Deal or No Deal? Well, that's like, Hall. That's Hall of Fame. Some people loathe Deal of No Deal, and I didn't know that until I started expressing positive opinions about it. But like, you'd have these people who they're like, you know, they have six cases 
left on the board and like they have a million, two hundred thousand, and like a bunch of like low numbers. And the banker's like, All right, I'm gonna offer you like three hundred K and they're like, No deal, I'm going for the mill. I'm like, take the three hundred K and just it. run. And then, yeah. you know, the next case they open is the million right. dollars. And then it's and all like, over. Yeah. It's all over. I just I don't know. I I would hope that I would have some decent self control to at least like understand when I'm ahead and I should just take the money and run. Right. But Maybe not. Maybe so, the adrenaline gets to me. So for me, yeah. the one I would love to be on, there's two that I would love. I think I'd lo- I'm going to give you a lot of it. Two that I would love to be on yeah. would either be Guy's Grocery Games. Oh, I haven't like seen that one before. The Guy Fieri where it's like a little competition for like grocery shopping, but then it's also a cooking competition. Oh, so sweet. So it's both. Yeah. I love cooking competition shows as well. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. And the other one, which is the Hall of Fame cooking competition, Chopped. Oh, okay. I would yeah, yeah, yeah. love Chopped. Yeah. That would be so much fun. Yeah. I would get smoked by whoever <laughs> I was competing against. Like, I'm not like a chef, right? Yeah. I am like, a, I can whip up some leftovers and like make something happen, but yeah. I am not like real chef material. Yeah. Well, you were always the the stud muffin at Friendsgiving back when we were in college. I, I was the I was like the house mom. <laughs> I, I did all of our cooking at the house. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I could actually like do well on. Mm. Oh man, I don't even know. Like mm. Wheel of Fortune, maybe? No, oh, yeah, not even Wheel of Fortune. Mm. I'm, like we 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 do that one here. What's the other one with the with the money? Um, uh, it used to be Bob Barker. And oh, Perry. the Price is Right. The Price is yeah, Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could do okay. You think you? All right. I think I right. could do okay yeah. at the Price is Right. Yeah. If um, they like threw a toaster at you, you'd be like nineteen ninety nine. Easy. Then, okay. Yeah. Easy. Osterbrand nineteen ninety nine. Black yeah. and Decker fourteen ninety nine. Oh yeah. All right. I could. I you think, have brand names, so I I'm confident with you. I could nail it. Yeah. I could nail that one. Yeah. Or at least I think I could. Yeah. Anyways, if you're still with us. Uh, you know, he didn't some, shut it off. You have some questions. game yeah. show yeah. recommendations. Yeah. Um. So we are closing out our third series of the 2021 campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, our spiritual discipline series. We've gone through a whole bunch of them, looking at what are the kind of the active disciplines of the faith that the Christian should, um, that you should be practicing that you should be working at just like working a muscle or working a skill. These are things that you should be doing actively. Um, And we're going to close out this series and this discussion with discipleship. Uh, That's what we're going to talk about today. So David, if you wouldn't mind, give me your definition of discipleship. Mm. You know, I... (laughs) We start off talking about how I have a master of divinity degree, and I'm going to start off by saying I'm pretty sure this is what this means. Um, but uh, you know, in thinking about the word disciple, I feel like I often associate it with the term learner, and just this idea of like if you are in a discipleship relationship, or if you are doing discipleship, you know, you're you're in a position of I want to learn. Um, things. I want to grow in certain areas of my life. I know that there are weak points in my faith or practice that I feel like I need to work on. So, you know, when I think of discipleship, Zach, I feel like most of like what my mind comes up with is this idea of like almost like a student taking notes. Um, that's kind of where my brain goes personally. But I don't know if you had a, a different idea in mind. 
Yeah, that's so crazy that you say that because when you say discipleship, you immediately went to the learner, mm. right? You went to the learner side, which I think is probably something noteworthy for us to mention on this podcast is I think the skill to be had here is as discipler and as disciple. Like, I think that that's important that, that those are both skills that you need to grow at. You're not going to maybe naturally be really good at both of those. But my brain immediately actually goes the other way. Mm. My brain goes to the teacher yeah. side. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think I tend to associate it with like, and this isn't totally when we think biblical discipleship, this doesn't encompass everything about that. But the first kind of analogy that comes to brain to my brain is just like a mentor. Mm, like yeah. a like a, an elder example, someone who's gone before, who has some experience, absolutely can show you the ropes. Like that's that's where my brain goes immediately. Like that's uh, and I think a lot of that's from my personal experience mm. uh, through college when I had yeah. very intentional disciplers. Yeah, um, I think that was how I viewed those people, um, and kind of what they were to me in that in that time. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, so you get, yeah, you get a little flavor of that from both sides. Um, when I think of biblical discipleship, I, there's one particular relationship that comes to mind first for me. Um, and that is the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Paul of course being the discipler, Timothy being the disciple. Um, and when I look through uh, that relationship. And we're going to use uh, the Paul's second letter to Timothy as kind of an example that we're going to go through here. But I came up with, um, and to be fair, I came up with this today. Like I, <laughs> I haven't like written, uh, I, my thesis for my masters of divinity was not in the, the pillars of discipleship. <laughs> uh, I came up with this today. Uh, there, I think there are three pillars to biblical discipleship, and we see this play out in Paul's relationship with Timothy. Mm-hmm. Um, those three pillars are encouragement, instruction, or correction, or both, and love. Mm. Those are the three pillars that I see with um, discipleship, specifically with Paul's letter to Timothy. So first, yeah. encouragement. Um, you see this really, I think, the way Paul closes all of his letters kind of feel like this um but i'm going to turn my microphone here so i can kind of read this um there we go uh so as paul is closing his letter to timothy um uh, let's see what's the here i'll just i'll just read this second timothy four um i'll just read verse five here Uh, it says um but you Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. He is building up courage in Timothy, instilling courage, encouraging Timothy, Mm -hmm. um, building truth into him, reinforcing the things he's taught him before and the truths that he has in the gospel um, and even just this little stuff, and really all of all of the end, all of chapter four, really has this feel to it. Where as Paul is closing this letter, he is reinforcing Timothy of the the good work that he is doing. He is um, reinforcing his status as a child of God, and he is building him up so that he can 
go so he is so that Timothy is restored, recharged, refilled and can go back into ministry. Um, and I think that is a, a really strong earmark of a discipler. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I was I was meditating on just as a, a higher level thing was I was like, I don't think you can take out any of those three and still have discipleship. Because like, I think if you, for example, if, if you took out encouragement, you know, if you had a love for somebody and instruction for somebody, but you never encourage them, like, I just don't think that's an, a discipleship relationship. Like, I just don't think you're really doing the work of a discipler. Um, to kind of play off Second Timothy four of doing the work of an evangelist, um, yeah, I, I you know in thinking about relationships that I've had where I've either been the discipler or the disciplee, I feel like encouragement is such a critical element um, because I think what happens a lot of times, at least, and 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 maybe there's there's varied experiences with how um, people approach discipleship, but I feel like the one thing I always needed going into a disciple ship encounter was encouragement uh, because you know normally you get together with you know the person your mentor whoever it is and you're meeting with them and hey man you just had like a rough week like you can think about like all of the like ways that you screwed up or that you sinned and you're just like man I feel tired and worn out and shame's high and then you have a brother brother sitting across from you who can affirm you and encourage you and make comments like Paul's making to Timothy here and to say like, Hey man, like do the work of an evangelist, like preach the gospel, preach the word in season and out of season, like guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And he can pour into him that way. So yeah, I think encouragement is so, so important, Zach. You want to know what's, and we're going to make a quick sidebar here. Mm. And this is something that's going to be a really fun observation. Uh, uh, I happen to know that you and I had the same discipler. We when did. We, were in college. we did. Yeah. Uh, loyal listener, Mr. Adam Wolf. Yeah. Discipled both of us. And you want to know what's nuts? And this mm. is a really good sidebar. Um, I also think th- this this kind of manifests itself in all three of these pillars. But yeah. there's an aspect of to be an effective disciple, discipler of somebody, you have to know that person. You have to be willing oh, to really know that person. And here's why. You just said that about encouragement and what encouragement meant to you. To me, there was many, many weeks where Adam gave me tough love, Mm. really tough encouragement and really kind of beat me upside the head a little bit. And that's what I needed. Yeah. Right. He was willing to know me well enough and to know you well enough that when we would, if you we and I would, different things. if we didn't know we had the same disciple and we talked yeah. about what our, how our discipler in that time encouraged us, yeah. you would have thought we had a different person. Yeah, absolutely. Totally different person. That's such a good point. Because he was so willing to kind of take that approach. So it, manifesting itself in all of these pillars, I think you really have to know, that's probably a good note for us to make as we kind of move through the rest of it. I think you also, it's probably an application point at the end, mm. yeah, um, yeah. you know, not to step on the touchdown call, but yeah. You probably need to like really be willing to know the the, uh, the person on the other side. Absolutely, of the table. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's kind of funny. <laughs> um, shout out to Adam. Shout out to Adam. Adam gets lots of shout outs on this. That's what you get when like you're yeah. a you know a pivotal player. Yeah. You know, like yeah. a quarter of the people on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, next one, next pillar of discipleship, which is one that I've struggled with as a discipler. 
um, is instruction. Mm. I, th- I feel like when I think of like that mentorship relationship, a lot of times, maybe because like in, professionally, I don't go to like engineering mentors to say what like what exactly like how exactly do I step through this? I go for them. I go to them when I'm like, hey, I'm having trouble with this type of work, this sphere of my professional life. Like how mm. like how do I kind of deal with these philosophical ideas? Right. It's it's very yeah. much like more of a a, a 10,000 foot overview type of an approach it's not very specific when i think of my mentors that i have yeah um but what we see between paul and timothy and this is where the role of kind of i think discipler and teacher i think that they do overlap i think disciplers are teachers i think they should Mm be we see specific um instruction from paul to timothy and just as an example in where, where what chapter are we in now? Is this uh, chapter two, two. three, two? Nope. Chapter two. We see this whole section um, about dealing with false teachers. Um, that where Timothy was, they're having an issue with people preaching a false gospel. Yep. And Paul, I'm not going to read this. Go and read it. But he lays out specific, like here is a, a specific doctrinal thing that I'm teaching you about. Yeah. Um, and it's very much plainly teaching yeah yeah and actually uh the the verse that i was thinking about and i don't mean to get away from second timothy but just in the sense of like seeing paul as both discipler and disciplee um i even think back to galatians 2 where you have this really interesting moment where paul talks about how he visited you know the pillars of the church um after years of preaching the gospel and he was like you know, I wanted to make sure that I like wasn't preaching in vain. So I went to them and said, hey, is this the gospel? Like, is this the is this the right? Go- is this the true gospel that I'm preaching? And I think all they told him was, yeah, it sounds good. Just remember the poor. And it's like what what Paul was doing there was like he was saying like, hey, I need instruction in the sense of like I need correction in this area if I'm in the wrong. And I feel like that's such a critical, and I don't know if you want to talk, maybe this is, again, this is application probably, but just in thinking about, you know, How that discipleship How dare you try to get applicable sorry, before I, the end I of the know, podcast? I know, I know. We need everything in a neat box. Um, <laughs> and how dare you yeah. go to a different part of the Bible? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, get with it, David. I know, I know, I know. If I was smarter, I would have used oh. an example from Second Timothy. Oh, it, is, it is what it is. Um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, what was I? Yeah, I, what I was what I was thinking through was just like there needs to be a certain amount of humility, I think, on the side of the person getting instruction, and you need to be ready to receive that, whether that comes in the form of more of a gentle approach or like you were talking about, like a tough love, like, hey, I'm gonna instruct you and tell you you're being an idiot here, mm-hmm. and uh, having to have those frank conversations. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, the last piece we're gonna keep it moving here. Last piece that we're gonna talk about before we kind of get into like the specific application portion is love, um, like real sacrificial Christ-like body of Christ, brothers, brotherly, sisterly love, mm. um, and and everything that comes along with that. Um, and again, Paul read through more of Paul's letters. Paul opens all his letters kind of the same way, right? We're going to, so we kind of move backwards through this letter. We're going to go 
back to Second Timothy one. Um, Second Timothy one verse two, uh, to Timothy, my dear son. Uh, skipping down a little further, um, uh, verse three. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with your joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Just like, and it really over this, I think, overlaps with encouragement. We could have used this as an example of encouragement. Well, this goes back to your your knowing each other thing, too. He knew multiple generations of Timothy's family. Yeah. Yeah. And. Like, just he expresses, like, you can tell in this letter, Paul loves Timothy. Truly, genuinely loves mm-hmm. Timothy. Yeah. And he means so much to him, right? Like, to the, like, where Paul is willing to sacrifice for him. He's willing to lay down things. He's willing to take the time to write this letter and express that love to Timothy. Um, And I think back to, again, my same discipleship relationships um, with multiple people that I've had. Like they showed me love, like brotherly love in ways that I had never experienced from like that type of a, of a, it's really, I never had that type of a relationship before with like a, a close mentor disciple or person like that um but like we're willing to come alongside me we're willing to um slow things down for me as i was a new christian and um really were willing to get to know me and yeah be patient with me and and all these things um yeah i don't know yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's such it's such a critical part of the discipleship relationship because you know, if you think about it, if you just have instruction and encouragement, like the relationship is really shallow. I mean, like you might be getting, you know, two thirds of what you need, but like, you know, it's you don't get the like the sense of like, oh, this person actually like loves me and is ready to stand by me in faithfulness and affirm me. Uh, you know, and challenge me and convict me in, in those sentences. But like, you know, it just, it, it, when there's love, there's this redefining of the relationship where you're not questioning um, what the person has in mind for you. So when you get instruction that might be tough love, like you don't question the love because you're like, right. this person loves me. Or if you get encouragement, you're like, I don't think this person is just blowing smoke into me. I think it's like, oh, yeah. they genuinely are believing in me and wanting right. me to do something. So right. I just think love is just such a critical element. Right. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to the old cliche, like the love and grace cliche, right? Or like yeah. love and truth yeah. or grace and truth, right? Yeah. You know, just hammering someone with truth um, is oftentimes just criticism. Yeah. Um, but giving someone truth on the basis of, like kind of this foundational groundwork where you know that they genuinely love you is real instruction and real um, feedback and criticism and, and really good and important. Yeah. Um, so all that, <laughs> that uh, so David told me to make this point that disciples and disciplers lie. 
L-I-E. They lie. They love, they instruct, and they encourage. Hey, hey, you know what else they do? They could have lice, because if you want to do the instruct slash correct thing, okay. you can make it lice. I don't know if right, that's I'll, better. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. Yeah, all right, this whatever. This is my last time on the podcast. So, <laughs> um, all right. So in the spirit of, you know, we're pitching this back to spiritual disciplines, right? The idea that there's practice, that you work at it, um, that you are actively doing these things and working on them as though you were exercising, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's take this back to, I guess, yeah, like application type of a place, right? Um, we've kind of given you the theory, right? The theology, if you will, of discipleship. So, well, I don't know. Let's kick this back over to to the discipline side. When you think discipleship as a discipline um i guess david what are you seeing as like the the hurdles what what are you seeing as the challenges um how can the how can the believer go forward and and work this muscle right what what do they need to to look to what do they need to overcome to start working that yeah and i'm sure you'd get a variety of opinions um because I think you might get people saying, well, you need to be doing both. But like, I feel like a teeny tiny baby believer probably shouldn't be discipling anyone at that point just because they're new, they're fresh, like they don't really know. I mean, like maybe they can be encouragements to older believers because it's like the gospel's new and fresh and Jesus is wonderful. And, uh, you know, they're just in kind of the state of euphoria maybe. But um yeah, I would say, but I think it is a discipline. Like, I mean, you talked about, you know, meeting with Adam um, and like there is this disciplinary element where you like have to set aside time for it and you have to have set aside time to uh, pour into others. Like Paul tells Timothy, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Um, but you also have to, you know, allow yourself to get poured into and you have to have time for both. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to put like a number like, you know, you have to meet up so many times because I think just I, there's nothing in the Bible that says you have to meet once a week with somebody. But I think you have to find like what rhythms work well for you. And I think you have to see like, um, you know, what are the areas that I can grow in and who's somebody who I can uh, can invite in or who's somebody who's a close friend who is strong in this area who I can invite in to help me um, and we can be um encouragers for each other maybe um but yeah it's certainly a discipline where you know you have to make time for it because you know discipleship i mean there's two people in the party and that that complicates things right i would i think i would even generalize a little bit to say that as a discipline i i would say i don't think this is outlandish that um to practice this discipline you should be committing uh, regular, like regularly scheduled resources of yours mm. to it. Um, and I'll kind of just leave it at that. I, I think that, you know, that, that could be, I don't know, maybe it's, you meet up with someone on the, the third Tuesday of every month or whatever. Or yeah, may, whatever maybe it it's like once a week you talk on the phone, maybe it's w- whatever that is. I think that this this discipline just, yeah, I'll leave it at that, just requires regularly committing your resources to it. Um, 
and I think that's that's kind of the discipline aspect of it, right? Like, yeah, it, it almost like when you think the word discipline, a lot of times you think the word like regimen, right? Yeah, like, yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, um, and and I think this is this is not um, like barred from that. I think this yeah. is in that same vein, yeah, as well. So, I guess moving on from that. Let's let's kind of crack our applications two ways here. Mm. Um, so give me I want I want two main application points for I want what is your singularly focused takeaway to the disciple? Mm. And what is your singular takeaway focus to the discipler? Mm. Give it to me. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the first thing I thought of was um Maybe I'll try to combine them. Um, you know more than you think, and you know less than you think. Um, and and I mean that in the sense of like, you know, um, everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs a discipler. Everybody needs somebody to pour into them. Like, there's nobody at like the top of the food chain. Um, you know, everybody needs somebody, and. You know, it, it's it goes against, you know, kind of cult, these, you know, kind of norms we have in our culture where we're like, oh, we're just going to toughen it out. And, you know, I'm going to do things on my own. But like everybody needs somebody. So from the, the standpoint of the disciple, like you need somebody to come in and 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 help you and encourage you and love you and instruct you. And then, you know, on the other side, like, you know, you also like I'm trying to decide how to phrase this. But if you are a Christian, like, and if you've been walking with the Lord for, you know, a certain amount of time, I mentioned like new believers probably shouldn't be discipling people. But, you know, if you have any amount of time, I mean, like, you can, like, be a discipler for somebody. You can step into a discipleship role with either a younger believer or a younger person and pour into them with wisdom. Like, you have been, you've been given a gift by the Holy Spirit and you have been given wisdom from the Lord in certain things. And so I would say, like, don't let, like, self-confidence or self-esteem hold you back. Like, God has given you something to give to somebody else that you can be an encouragement. You can love them well and you can instruct them. Yeah, I like that. So I came up with mine. Ooh, what do you got? And you wrote them down. Too. I did. And yeah. here's the thing: I wasn't really listening to you. Oh, that's okay. Um, <laughs> if you repeat anything, I just won't. Yeah, that's I won't cool. Say anything. Uh, yeah. The listeners will know. Yeah. Uh, so I wrote down two things. First, for the disciple. Yep. Uh, humility is good. Um, Absolutely. You always have more room to move, no matter how far you've come in the faith, no matter how far you haven't come in the faith. You always have somewhere to go right you're never there yeah you're not gonna be there until you're on the other side of eternity yeah. that's just the truth yeah um and again statistically there's someone else out there who knows more than you like you're <laughs> you're probably yeah. not the number one yeah probably not yeah. so uh learn something um humility is good right absolutely let that be good for you um and this the next one is to people who are like me as as disciplers um instruction is is good um mm. and i can i can expand on that but i kind of hinted at this earlier my biggest struggle as as i've been the teacher to other people is 
taking the relationship from encouragement and care and kind of vague mentorship and taking Mm -hmm. it into specific instruction i've never really excelled there like i don't view myself as a strong teacher um like especially in that context that's just not something that like it hits the top of my brain right away i just don't immediately think to go there um and like i think i've often like been like oh man instruction's awkward I just, I'm going to, oof, I'm going to maybe just, you know, live mm. in the clouds a little bit. Um, when no, like, if there are people who you're in that relationship over, like, if they've invited you into that space, they've invited you to be an instructor to them. They've invited you to show them the ropes on, on things that they might not know about. They've kind of given you the you know the past to give to give them instruction and to teach sometimes teach specific things right yeah to give specific instruction so yeah um yeah disciple uh humility is good and really both of these are the same for both people (laughs) whatever humility is good and instruction is good right don't don't shy away from either one of those yeah absolutely that's good that's good all right well I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna wrap it up here. I, that's probably that's probably a good call. Yeah. So uh, it's been a pleasure having you all here with us for the spiritual disciplines series. Um, if you like this, please go ahead and share it with a friend. Make sure to like, leave a review, subscribe. Uh, I hope our verbal processing was edifying for you. Have a great week. <laughs>